Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Cup of Jane. It's kind of been a minute. Life has been a little hectic right now. Um, I thought I'd start off with a little bit of a life update since everything... Oh, these are the COVID people. Hold on, hold on. You know, I thought it was the COVID people, um, which I'll explain in a second. It was actually Spectrum, which we've been having internet problems, so it's good that they called. Um, yeah, okay. So last few weeks, we actually went to North Carolina last week. Grant's dad got married. It was a beautiful wedding right on the lake, super intimate and small with just family. And we were outside, right? Again, right by the lake. It was awesome. So beautiful. And they had these tacos that were delicious. It was like steak tacos. And I kid you not, the best steak tacos I've ever had. Um, So we did that. We were in North Carolina for a week. And now we are currently quarantining for two weeks. Um, Let's see. We just finished our first week of quarantine. And something really exciting happened. Grant and I have been looking for a dog for I think about six months. Um, we saw, we started signing up at the like for the adoption agencies um, at like the very or the rescue agencies I guess. I always call them adoption agencies but I feel like that's what you call like kid adoption agencies so I don't really know what you call dog adoption places rescue I don't know. Anyway, so we started signing up for them um, at the very beginning of quarantine because we've really been wanting a dog and we knew that once our lease was up, we were going to adopt a dog. So we decided that quarantine was kind of like the perfect time to get a dog because we wanted a puppy and obviously puppies are a lot of work and take a lot of time and training and focus. So we really wanted one to get a puppy in quarantine. And after we were in North Carolina, we came back here and... Um, actually like right before we left for North Carolina, we got a dog and it fell through because they needed us to pick it up and we were about to travel. And then we couldn't get it when we came back because he was in New Jersey and it was just like just too much. And we knew that it wouldn't be good for us to be, to, to get the dog. Um, so we ended up letting that one go, which was really, really sad. We were very disappointed went to North Carolina, came back. I pulled up Muddy Paws, which is where we got Harley from. And she was there. Her name was Beatrice on the website. And she went by B and she was just one of like five puppies that they had. So I just went ahead and submitted an application because she was literally perfect. Like the exact personality that we were looking for, everything about her was great. And we thought maybe even though we were quarantining, maybe we could work something out where we could pick her up like after a quarantine or something, you know, there was so many reasons why we shouldn't have done it. And we just thought, well, maybe it'll work out. So we put in an application and got an email back fairly quickly asking us to come on to a Zoom call and to meet her name was Beatrice then. So to meet Beatrice and, you know, get to see her in her environment. So we did a Zoom call with the foster on Saturday and it was awesome like she you'll probably hear her because she's a puppy and she has a lot of energy so grant's playing with her right now um but yeah so we got to meet her see how she interacted with her sister who she was being fostered with and was interacting with a foster and she was perfect she was just like so well behaved and so great so then we were like okay when when can we get this dog (laughs) and she actually we like i kid you not we lucked out because our foster ended up having a car and told us that she could come drop her off at our apartment. So we got our dog delivered. (laughs) And actually like an hour after our meeting, um, we had our meeting at three and by 4.30, 
the foster was at our door with our new puppy. So we did a nice contactless delivery. We were we were saying um doggy dash like DoorDash. We were like we just doggy dashed a puppy. And so she came right to our door, dropped her off, gave us some food and a couple of her toys. And that is what has been absorbing our time for the past three days. And it's been definitely a lot of work, but so much fun. She's the most well-behaved puppy. We, We really lucked out. So yeah, she's been adjusting really well to the apartment and we just had her first day of training. We were gonna wait a little bit actually to start training, but she's really smart and like she already knows how to sit. We're working on stay. She understands the crate. She's just very on top of it for being only two months old. So we decided to start training and we did that today. She slept through the whole first session, <laughs> but it was mostly us getting to meet the trainer. So that's fine. Um, yeah, but she's been really, really wonderful. Sleep has not been an issue, which is the big thing that I was worried about because if I don't sleep, like I am, I'm not a fun person to be around. So very happy about that. She has been just such a joy and I'm excited to actually start like training her because, you know, we know a little bit here and there, but to have actually, but to actually have somebody who like, this is their job and this is like their specialty is dog training just to ask questions to and help guide us. Um, it's been great. So yeah, today we learned all about how when she tries to jump on the bed, we just need to pull her off and say off and have like a very specialized word for that. And we learned about the crate today and just how to get her calm down before bedtime because she does get a little bit crazy before bedtime. I like going to bed at 1030. Harley likes going to bed around 1130 and that just does not work for my schedule. So we're going to try a couple of things tonight by wearing her out, training her a little bit before bed. We're going to play hide and seek before bed and yeah, just fun stuff like that. So I'm having a lot of fun and I'm really happy that we could do everything quarantined. Like we could have her come to our apartment and buy her virtually and just do all that stuff so it and oh and the best part sorry I didn't even mention this this is like this is Jesus wanting us to have this dog this is God wanting us to have this dog because on top of all of that then we were like okay what are we gonna do about walks right she hasn't had her last booster yet so she can't even go outside it was literally the perfect situation, the perfect dog, the perfect timing, like everything worked out so well. And then as soon as we finish our quarantine three days later, she has to go to the vet to get her last booster. So then she'll be able to actually go on walks and go outside. So it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Yeah, we knew we wanted to get a dog when we came back. That was like the number one goal, but I honestly didn't think it was going to happen this soon. So I'm very excited. It's been just a really fun few days and I'm just, yeah, excited to, to see how it keeps going. Um, okay, so I'm going to dive into the podcast today. So today we are talking about diet culture and um, how like I kind of went through my own phase with eating and what I've kind of learned through all those different phases. Um, I've tried not every diet in the book, but I've tried a lot of different diets, especially growing up, um, especially in college. I feel like college is really the time to try it all, you know? Uh, I feel like people say that about partying and stuff like that but for me I mean I did my fair share of partying I won't lie but in college I definitely did my fair share of diets so let's start at the beginning so I think my big first run-in with food was watching like my friends parents and like my mom and just women that were older interact with food and I remember the first thing I saw was people were really focused on calories so there was like 100 calorie snack packs always in the house and then you know you see people on tv always talking about like this has so many calories and stuff like that so I definitely thought that calories were bad and less calories meant good um that was 
probably like the first thing that I really learned, quote unquote, learned about food. And I remember thinking that, okay, so I need to eat less calories. Like that's how I'm going to be a healthy person. I think like, I don't even know what my goal was. I was 13 at this point. Like, I don't really understand what my goal was, but I felt like I had to eat less calories. I knew that sweets had more calories. So I was very focused on skipping sweets, but I had a really hard time doing that because I was a child and I really wanted cake and I I wanted cupcakes after dinner and I wanted cookies and I wanted all this stuff. And I just remember thinking that that was so bad. And if I could not resist it, then I felt like I had failed. And so when I was 13, I failed my first diet (laughs) and I didn't start another diet, like actually a diet diet um, until I was about 19. So in the time between this 13 year old experience, and I'm kind of ballparking that I don't remember like my exact age, but it was around 13. Like I know it was late middle school when all that happened. So I held on to a lot of stigmas about food between that age and between 19. Um, I know I... I held on to a lot of like, this is a good food and this is a bad food. Only low calories were good foods and bad foods were anything with sugar or anything sweet or fast food. And I developed a lot of food guilt. So I don't really know if I would count this as a diet. I mean, I don't think it is a diet, Uh, maybe a form of orthorexia, but I had a lot of food guilt about what I was eating. And so if you've ever experienced food guilt before, you definitely know what this feels like. But it's just when, you know, like you're with your friends, you're hanging out and you guys have cookies or whatever. And then either after that or maybe the whole next day, I would feel it for like a long time, um, a long time being like 24 hours for me. And I would just feel extremely guilty for eating whatever I had eaten, feeling like that wasn't a good thing for me to eat and thinking that I had to somehow make up for that. That was a really constant thing in in my, I guess, like early college and late high school. Like, yeah, okay. So late high school, early college, senior year, freshman year, um, always thinking that I had to make up for what I ate. I had to undo my unhealthy meal. And I remember doing that, especially early on when I started going to the gym, I would eat whatever, go out with friends and then feel like I had to make up for it. So I'd go to the gym and get on the stair climber for 45 minutes because I don't even know why I felt like I had to burn a lot of calories and I felt like the stair climber did that for me. Um, I Another thing that I would always do is after the gym, I would always have protein powder. And <laughs> if you know me, I hate protein powder. I have never found, actually, I found one protein powder that I like, but I've never like protein powder's just never been my thing. I don't really like the taste of it. I'm not really into like protein powder desserts or like putting protein powder in pancakes. Like I can just taste it so clearly and it just, it makes my stomach hurt. It makes me nauseous. I hate the smell of it. The only kind that I've ever had that I liked was a plant-based one by Blessed Protein. And I really liked that, but it was expensive and from Australia. So it took forever to ship. So I only ordered it once and then just never ordered it again. And I think that is what led to my next diet, we'll call it, um, was macro tracking. And I know some people don't consider that a diet. They say it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Well, uh, I have a few issues with that because I feel like they use that that word lifestyle for a lot of things. It's a very big buzzword in the diet culture, fitness um, world. Like that's a big word that they use a lot is lifestyle. But I 
kind of I'm starting to think that maybe lifestyle is worse than diet like word wise because it just again emphasizes the fact that the world revolves around food and I don't really think your life should revolve around food. I think that that is part of the issue with diet culture and especially with calling it a lifestyle is that now everything that you do involves food. Like it involves you having to put forth effort and think about food. So I got into macro tracking and decided that that was my new lifestyle. So I was very big on, you know, getting the right amount of carbs in and getting the right amount of protein in. I was big into my fitness pal. I'm sure we've all been there, done that. And yeah, I, I think that the other thing was that me and all of my friends were doing it together. We all tracked our food together. We measured out our quinoa and our broccoli and only had one banana because I didn't want to ruin the amount of carbs I had and just felt like I was doing such a good thing by measuring that all out. But the weirdest part about that is that I didn't even really know why I was doing it. You know, like I had no idea why I was even measuring it, why it mattered how much protein I had or how much carbs I had or anything like that. I didn't really understand why that was important. And I wasn't focused on health. That wasn't a big goal of mine at that point. I was still in musical theater and I had a lot of, um, I was in school for musical theater and I had a lot of body image issues while I was in that career path. You know, I, uh, my big goal was just to be small and to have abs. Like those were my two fitness goals was just like shrink abs. <laughs> um, and I think that that is super common for women. I think that we've all kind of been there with that goal of just being smaller. Like that is, I think a lot of people's first goal at the gym, especially women, you know, I mean, we just feel like we have to get smaller and smaller and okay, I'm getting off on a tangent now. Yeah. So in that macro tracking phase, I also had cheat goals, which is also something that I want to talk about um, because I cheat days work for some people. They don't work for me and it doesn't really go along with where I am right now. It doesn't kind of fit into my current lifestyle. Um, I found with cheat meals that I would just binge. Like I would go my whole week hitting all of my macros, getting my calories. And by the way, at this point I was eating 1200 calories a day, which is just absolutely not enough for a college student, not enough for like most people, um, especially like adults. And especially at the rate that I was working, I was taking way too many credit hours and in rehearsals, it was just not enough. I was absolutely not eating enough. And what cheat meals kind of did for me was just remind myself that if I can make it to Friday, then I would have an awesome dinner on Saturday. Like I could eat whatever I wanted on Saturday and I could drink on the weekends and I could do this and that. Um, that was another big thing of mine, like no drinking during the week because, but it wasn't for health. Okay. It was for calories. And I think that that is where the issue in my brain came in was just all, everything came back to calories and came back to macros. Um, yeah. So on my, on Saturdays, I would let myself binge and eat whatever I wanted. Um, you know, and then the food guilt sets in, which is, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You have the cheat day and then I would feel guilty for the cheat day and it all cycles back and cycles around. So I felt really restricted in that. I felt very restricted in macros. I felt very restricted with tracking my calories. So I decided to try intermittent fasting because I talked to a few people who said that it wasn't restrictive at all and all of this stuff. So I downloaded an app and it tracked how many hours I could eat out of the day. 
and I have a few issues for me. Um, by the way, all of this is for me. I'm just sharing my personal experience. If you have success with macros, that's great for you. I'm just talking personally for me and how this kind of culture damaged my mental health and my health around food. I should have done that at the beginning. Maybe I'll add a disclaimer. Um, yeah, so then I tried intermittent fasting because other people said that it had worked for them and that they didn't find it as restrictive as tracking things down to the last spinach leaf that you ate. I tried it and I actually felt extremely restricted in intermittent fasting. I think I was doing the 16-8 plan. So you eat for eight hours of the day and then you don't eat for 16 hours. And I, it's just not my thing. I didn't like it, especially um, like when I was on my period or if I was in rehearsal for something and I got out of rehearsal and I was hungry, but I couldn't eat because it was past my eating time. It's just for me was not a way to live. I just felt like I just couldn't do anything. Like it's just, it, it, I felt so helpless around food at that point. So that didn't really stick either. And once again, I was off to the next best thing, trying to find the thing that was going to give me the body that I wanted and to feel healthy, um, quote unquote healthy. I'm not going to say I felt healthy at that point, but at that point, I don't think I really knew what health was supposed to feel like. On to the next thing, I decided to go all in. I was going to try out paleo. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar with paleo, it is nicknamed the caveman diet. It's pretty much you eat anything that our ancestors would have eaten, which made a lot of sense to me. You know, you eat nuts and you eat fruit and vegetables and meat, and that's pretty much it. There's no grains involved, nothing um, nothing that you couldn't like find and eat as it is, uh, I guess with the exception of meat. Um, yeah, so I tried paleo. I did it for, I think, a few months, and I did okay with it. I definitely messed up here and there, quote-unquote messed up, um, fall out of my, fall, fell out of my paleo train, I guess we'll call it, a few times, because um, I just found it really difficult to keep up with. I mean, you would go to a restaurant, and it was really hard to order something, um, and, it'd be, and it'd be fulfilling, you know, I mean, I could find something to eat. That was never an issue. Like pretty much everywhere you go, you can get meat and vegetables. So that wasn't really an issue. But it was more just that I would go and I wasn't satisfied with what I was eating. If I go to a burger bar and I get my burger on lettuce, you know, and everybody else is eating a burger with cheese and all that fun stuff. And it's a fun Friday night and you can't order a beer. You're technically, I think, not supposed to drink on paleo at all. I think at that point I stuck to like clear liquor and red wine. That was kind of my rule of thumb. Um, yeah, not for me either. I found it extremely restricting. I felt like I was constantly failing, like I had to put in so much effort, which was really that it all comes down to that. Like that was the biggest issue for me with all of these things is that it was just so much effort to eat. Every time that I had a meal, I had to think about, does this fit into my diet? Does this fit into my life? And I didn't even have strict goals. So it, it wasn't, it just didn't make any sense. Like at the end of the day, it did not make any sense. I only did it because I felt like that's what I had to do. I felt like that's what I needed to do to be a dancer. That's what I felt like I needed to do to major in musical theater. That's what I felt like I needed to do to be skinny, to be to be pretty, to be appreciated. And then after that, to be 
like good at fitness. I felt like I had to, you know, um, to drink protein powder and I felt like I had to track my macros and all these things. (sighs) And it just, it's a whirlwind. It really was a whirlwind of just trying the next thing and onto the next thing and onto the next thing. So it kind of took, um, just me getting sick of it. I, I don't think that there was any strong breaking point for me. I think it was just that I was just over it. Like I was just tired of looking for what was going to give me the body that I wanted. So now my goals have changed a whole lot and along with my eating. And I think that that was the first step for me was actually creating a solid goal. Um, It started off with, I just wanted to be stronger. I just wanted to go into the gym and be able to build muscle and feel stronger. And so I started, I kind of like put food to the side for a little bit and focused more on the gym, focused more on learning how to strength train, learning how to weightlift, um, which was really fun. I really love weightlifting. I still do a lot of weightlifting. It just feels very empowering and it's really, um, I feel accomplished. Like when you get to go up to the next weight, I just feel very accomplished. I feel like I've done something. Now my goals are a little bit more skill-based, which I do recommend for people if you're looking for a new goal or if you feel like maybe, maybe your body goals aren't working for you, which is totally valid. And a lot of people kind of feel that way where sometimes the goal of gaining five pounds of muscle or losing 10 pounds or whatever it is sometimes that goal just isn't strong enough it doesn't it just doesn't feel good on the inside and I do think that your health and fitness goals should feel good and be exciting and something that you really really want to do um so if you kind of feel like you're stuck in that I don't know what to call it like that I don't know just like that plateau of like you're just not happy with your goals, you don't feel excited to work out or to do anything, not to do anything, but you don't feel excited to work out or don't feel excited about your food or whatever it is. I would look at a skill-based goal. Um, my goal for 2020 was to do 10 pull-ups and I got to four and then quarantine happened. So we just bought a pull-up bar right before we got a puppy. The pull-up bar is still in the box. (laughs) Just an update on how my life is going. Um, (laughs) It's really hard to do anything with a new puppy. This morning, I uh, cleaned up some poop while I was brushing my teeth. And that is about how mom life is going. Me and the new dog. Um, Yeah. Okay. So yeah, skill-based training or skill-based goals for me has been very helpful. And in that, I kind of got to know my body a little bit better, got to know what works for me, maybe what doesn't work for me. I don't really take supplements. I definitely dabbled in supplements. I think I've bought like one protein here and there and like some BCAAs. I have pre-workout and I don't take it all the time. I only take it when I am like tired and just want a little extra oomph. Um, But mine's like an amino-based pre-workout. So it doesn't give you like the shakes or anything like that. It just kind of gives you a little little burst of energy. It's like having um, like half a cup of coffee. And so through all of that, through getting to know myself a little bit better, I was introduced to intuitive eating and I've kind of adapted intuitive eating and also intuitive training into my life. Training meaning like my workout routine. Um, So I intuitively do both of those. And it just requires you to kind of move past 
what you're quote unquote supposed to do. I feel like I've said quote unquote like a thousand times in this episode, but it's true. I'm, I feel like that was the biggest breakthrough for me was just moving past. I have to be, I thought that I had to be on a diet to be successful. I had to, you know, do leg day twice a week to have like toned legs. I had to do this and I had to do that. And it, that's just, it's just not the case. Different things are going to work for different people. And at the end of the day, your body's going to tell you what you need. And it's just training you to listen to yourself. That's where intuitive eating really comes in is just listening to yourself. Um, no foods are off limits. No form of training is off limits. You can really do whatever you want because if you feel restricted in your food or in your fitness, it's just going to take over your life. It becomes an obsession rather than a passion. Yeah, the big point of intuitive eating for me at least is food freedom. I felt like for a long time I did not have food freedom. I did not like have the capability to go out to a restaurant and not be just so stressed about what I was eating. I had to look it up in my fitness pal and see if it fit into my macros. What could I eat? What could I not eat? Um, I just felt like my life was run by food. I remember looking up things online and being like, how do I, how do I not eat unhealthily at a restaurant and there was things like you know eat before you go out have a salad before you go out and that way you won't be as hungry order a sparkling water so that the bubbles fill you up so then you won't be as hungry and or drink coffee that was a big one drinking coffee throughout the day so you're not as hungry people do that in um in if to intermittent fasting they drink coffee to suppress that hunger so it so it all came back to like suppressing the hunger and suppressing the hunger and suppressing the hunger which isn't really a solution. You know, I mean, if you're hungry, you got to eat. <laughs> um, so for me, this is this is just what works is having no foods off limit at all. Um, our bodies crave nutrients. And I think some people argue that in intuitive eating promotes an unhealthy lifestyle because no foods are off limits. But I actually really disagree with that because our, our body craves nutrients and sometimes I think that we we focus on the wrong things because we think that they are limited to us so I think a good example for me is that I used to feel like I had to have a dessert every night like as soon as I broke through all of my diet things I felt like I had to have dessert every night and I just needed something sweet before bed. That was a, a limit that I had set for myself or a rule that I had set for myself is that I need dessert before bed. But some nights I'm just not craving it. Like I don't want it. And at that point, and I think even sometimes now, I still am like, well, I need dessert before bed because like, what if it's not there tomorrow? And that's my issue with cheat meals is that I feel like cheat meals kind of promote that of like, I'm going to binge and eat whatever I want today because it's not going to be there tomorrow. So with intuitive eating, like the good thing about it is that it is going to be there tomorrow. If you don't want your ice cream today, that's fine. Because if you want ice cream tomorrow, it's there. You know, your body's not craving it. You don't need it. That's fine. Like it's just letting go of the pressure that if I don't have this now, I won't get it ever. Um, it's just... Like everything is so black and white in diets and intuitive eating breaks through that and tells you that everything is possible. Everything fits in. There's a place for everything that you need. And it's just figuring out how to talk to your body, how to listen to your body and let it tell you what you need. 
So if you feel like you relate to any of this, like you feel like you might be stuck in in diet culture and the cycle of that, and you are looking for food freedom and that all sounds fine and dandy but where do you start it's definitely a journey it's a process to get there um if you can work with a specialist i did not so i'm you know i I think that'd be awesome if you could but it's possible to do it without it it just takes i think a little bit of like self-guidance and just being able to be really open with yourself it all starts with getting to know yourself with really getting in tune with your body with yourself listening to that intuition listening to your gut and the three things that have really helped me just become more in tune with myself and this has not only helped with intuitive eating but also just becoming more self-confident and all like just not listening to external opinions as much all of that stuff these are like the three things that I swear by first is journaling journaling is the biggest realm of self-discovery because it's just an opportunity every morning or night or how whenever you want to do it to to ask yourself questions and just to get to know yourself. I think we lose ourselves a lot, especially now with social media. It's really easy to get lost in what everyone else is doing and what you think you should be doing. Like I said about, you know, I thought that I had to be on a diet. I had to do all that stuff to be at the gym, but or to be successful at the gym. But you don't. And, you know, just getting to know myself a little bit more and getting more confident in who I am and what I believe in. A lot of that came from journaling and just having that conversation of getting to know myself with myself is just, you know, me, myself and I and my paper and pen. (laughs) Second big one for me has been meditation. Um, And I actually pair journaling and meditation together um, on a lot of mornings, but you don't have to. You can do them separately. But just having a few minutes to sit in silence and not listen to anything. I have found so much clarity in that especially when something is going on and you feel like you need to make a decision or just decompress or I don't know, like walk through something that's going on in your life. Meditation has been so useful for me because it's an opportunity to slow down and listen to myself. Um, I'm reading the book Untamed right now. A lot of people have read it. So if you haven't, highly suggest I'm only like a third or fourth of the way through, but it's awesome. And she kind of talks about meditation in a different way, which I like. She kind of um, like molds meditation and prayer together and talks about how it's sinking into yourself to listen to your inner knowing. That's the way that she phrases it is, um, you know, we all have the ability to make decisions and, you know, make decisions for ourselves without external opinions but we need to listen to ourselves. We need to make room for our inner selves to to talk to us, you know, to to be able to actually hear our gut. We have to listen. So she talks about it more like that. Um, I think that, you know, whatever works for you, meditation, prayer, just something where you're where you're sitting with yourself and able to just kind of let go, you know, give it to the universe, give it to God, let go and let your intuition speak. The last thing that's really been a life changer for me is I recently started going to therapy. Um, I just use BetterHelp. It's through like a video call sort of situation. And it's great because I don't have to leave my house, um, which is the best for me. (laughs) And I can do it when I'm on vacation. So like even when I was in North Carolina, I could still do my therapy sessions. That was great. Yeah. So with that, it has just been 
great talking to a third party who doesn't really who didn't know me you know she knows me now but who didn't know me at all who doesn't know any of my friends who can just listen to me talk and can ask the right questions so that if I am dealing with something or questioning something that's going on you know they're just there to ask you the right questions to help you come to a solution on your own and she gives me like little homework things here and there which I always think are fun and helpful and a way to just keep it in mind throughout the week because we do only meet once a week um but yeah therapy has just been such a big source for me such a big resource in self-discovery just being able to talk to someone who again doesn't know me doesn't know my friends everything is through my perspective and uh, which is good because it's like when you have to um like explain something to someone else oh great example is when you're like getting ready for a test and you learn so much more by explaining the whole thing to someone else through your point of view like you actually get to talk it out from beginning to end and that's exactly what therapy is like whenever I'm going through something or you know just struggling with something I get to talk I get to like talk it out through my perspective from beginning to end so I learn so much more I discover so much more by saying it out loud and like trying to tell someone all the details explain it thoroughly to someone I get so much more clarity through that um, than maybe just sitting and thinking about it with myself those are like my big three. Those are like the top three ways I think to get to know yourself. So if you are struggling with diet culture or maybe, you know, getting to a specific goal, you feel trapped, any of those things, I really do recommend just taking time to get to know yourself a little bit more, get to know your brain, how you work, all of those things, because it really is just so life changing. That's the episode. That's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm super excited for the next episode. I'm having my friend Megan come on, who is a Pilates instructor. She recently just quit her job and moved to Hawaii. So we're going to talk all about that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you haven't already. It is so helpful. And I like knowing, you know, what you guys like about the podcast. So be sure to leave a review. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you guys next time. 